Welcome to the Doing Epic Stuff podcast with your host, Mike Drohan. Together, we'll explore the stories and journeys of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Man, being an entrepreneur is a real test. It just is. There are no safety nets, no cheer squad when you're feeling shitty about progress or lack of, no super easy days where you can just sort of coast safe in the knowledge that there will be a paycheck at the end of the week. It's all on you all of the time. But for some, such as Dagobert Renouf and his wife Lucy, who are co-founders of the digital software as a service startup known as Logology, there simply is no other choice. For me, and for people like me, like my wife, who are creators, I mean, for me, it's just like wasting my life. Like, it's just like, if I'm just making money and just investing it into real estate so I can have basically more money, like, you know, and more uh, financial independence, it has the only goal. It's just like, I mean, it's, it, there's no meaning. There's absolutely no meaning. And I'm going to die one day and I'll have like my real estate. Like, it's not, it's bullshit. Like, it's, it doesn't mean anything. I want to die one day and have like, you know, like a company or something to be remembered for. Even if it's just the memes I do on Twitter, like at least it's something I created that connected with people, you know. And my wife is the same. Like she also writes, she's a novelist too. She publishes books in France. So she's like a creator, like really from her heart. And for me too, it's just like it's focused on companies, but I'm like, for me, it's like an act of creation and of building. One of the few newsletters I subscribe to and always make time to read is called Indie Hackers. What's an indie hacker? A person building an online project that can generate revenue or a person seeking financial independence, creative freedom and the ability to work on their own schedule. It was within this very newsletter that I first heard of man like Dagobert Renouf and his truly epic entrepreneurial journey. Dagobert has an engrossing story to tell us about the shifting fortunes of the digital entrepreneur, the perils of a poor co-founder match, and how authenticity and vulnerability have underpinned a last-ditch marketing strategy, which has put Logology on a trajectory to success and made Dagobert an unlikely influencer in the Twitter sphere. All right. Uh, Dagobert Renouf. Am I pronouncing that really, really badly for an Australian, or is that okay? It's okay. It's okay. Mm, okay. You're not. You're not far. Like it's Dagobert Renouf. It's, oh, you were far. Everything far away. sounds so much nicer from French people. Yeah, like we have like this. Uh, I'm lucky that I have an accent that people find attractive. That's like, I mean, outside of France. <laughs> That's luck, because like if you're German, you don't have that. So you know, I consider myself lucky. You know, and it's funny. I used to downplay my French accent because I was wanting to sound more American or more English or whatever. And then I someday I kind of like slipped, and people told me, "Oh, it's sexy, and we understand you better." So I was like, "Well, it's a win-win. I'm going to do that now." You know? so. Never downplay the French accent. Dagobert, it no, is, that's it my is. first advice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you very much for joining me on the Doing Epic Stuff podcast today. Um, I'm going to give a little bit of a black background about how I even learned about who you are and what you do. And 
Then I'm going to read out a little quote from a from a uh, indie hackers newsletter here, and then I'm going to jump into some questions. Is that cool with you? Awesome. Yeah, let's do it. Easy. So you can just take the passenger seat for the next couple of minutes. You're, you're in, you just relax there. So I became aware of Dagobert uh, and his Logology. Uh, I guess you could call it a startup, although it's been running for a couple of years now. Correct, Dagobert? Yeah, it's a startup, definitely. Still startup. And I always want to be a startup, I think. Yeah. Even like in 20 years, I will still want to be a startup. Oh, I like that. You're preempting one of my questions, so stop talking about that now because I want to ask you okay. about that later on. Now, <laughs> three things stood out to me in the Indie Hackers newsletter that featured Dagobert. One is that in order to make this startup happen, you appear to have basically put your put your financial life on the line. You and your partner, is it Lucci or Lucy? Lucy. Lucy, yeah. yeah. You and Lucy have financially fully invested in this thing, which is one thing. Two, you've yeah. had to deal with uh, disapproval from your social circles and family circles, which for any of us, for all of us, you know, we all understand how much that can be a major factor in our life. So dealing with that is another sort of element is a challenge. And the third, which perhaps a challenge, perhaps a strength also, is that you've co-founded with your wife, Lucy, which I think, you know, any one of those things I would have found interesting, but the fact that you're doing all three of them, Dagobert, yeah, I'm not sure yeah. if you're a little bit crazy or a masochist, but I love that. Like it just, it just caught my, it's, it's inspired me and it's made me think, geez, Mike, no matter what you've got it going oh, wow. on at the moment, don't worry, Dagobert's got more going on than you, so you're totally cool. Oh, wow, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but we are a bit crazy, I, I would say so. Good, good. I like that. A little bit of crazy is good. Now, I'm just going to read this excerpt out from the newsletter. So here we go. So, hey, everyone, I'm Dagobert Renouf, and three years ago, I left a high-paid software job to bootstrap a startup with my wife, Lucy. We launched Logology, a tool that creates a designer quality logo for your startup in five minutes. I code, she designs. Sounds like an amazing solution. We took a huge risk and decided to use our life savings and it's been much harder than we thought. Watching our savings decrease monthly was a scary feeling. Also, our family thought we were crazy and didn't always support us. After two years and little success, we were pressured to give up. Now, I'm just going to sort of stop there and we're going to dig into things, dig into the Dagobert world at that point. So things were perhaps not going that well. Um, yeah. You perhaps weren't getting great traction with your startup and there was probably a lot of reasons to pull the pin. So can you just tell, sort of tell me, Dagobert, where your head was at? What, what, what were you feeling at this point in the journey? So, yeah, the big thing at that time is we've had like a, a third co-founder for a bit. Uh, we started, me and my wife, and then after a while, we brought somebody in for about a year, a bit more than a year. And so that time, so two years in, so that was uh, one year ago in September, uh, we had, it, it had been building up for the last few months, but basically it was more and more tense between him and us because 
we didn't have the same uh let's say uh i don't know the way to manage the stress of building a startup like it was already stressful because of lack of traction it created so much tension and with my wife it was fine because we just know each other for 10 years or like we work well together but with this third person it was like uh we didn't know how he would react and then we realized that he reacted like very stressed out and mm -hmm. started to make everything more complicated and so it was a hard time to decide but we decided to part ways with him uh and then it was like so bad like uh, there was so much pain and and I don't, i'm not going to go into details but basically uh, it put the whole company into danger we didn't know if we would even be able to continue because he had shares and he didn't really want to i mean he seemed like he wanted to give him back to give them back you know we bought him back the shares but then he was stalling and not answering for weeks so we were basically have no traction and this guy was like in charge of marketing and so we had no traction the guy who was doing marketing like it wasn't very successful from our own view like that's also why we didn't want to keep going but uh, i mean basically everything started collapsing like mm. uh, the guy is going marketing the, the tiny marketing we were doing uh, collapsed with him because he left and then the whole company was in danger because uh, we didn't know if he was gonna accept that we buy the shares back uh, because he was just like you know being. I think he was very angry at the situation. So even though he didn't want to have anything to do with the company anymore, he I think he was just angry, and so it made it very complicated to just get him to leave. You know, and even if we paid him, uh, he it wasn't something that he uh, kind of really wanted. Mm -hmm. So. That, and that lasted like three or four months, like from September to December of last year. And I mean, and that was very depressing and stressful for us. Like it was very hard for us to even work on it because we basically had this person who, who had made it very clear for a long time that he didn't want to keep working on his product. But then because he didn't really see the value, he didn't think it was that good, which I can totally understand. But then he didn't really want to leave either. And he had kind of like a hostage of that situation. And so for us, that was the worst time because, I mean, we at some point we were thinking, okay, we should, should we stop? Like, because it's, it's impossible to work on something and you have somebody with like, uh, who owns a big part of the company. I mean, uh, and you're working and you don't know if you're going to get your company back. I mean, this was just so, so stressful. Mm. So that's where we were at. And, and that's when all these uh, things with our, our family started coming out because basically uh, everybody told us that we should just like be meaner, meaner to him. Like we should just like get him out and not give him any money. And for us, it was like, we believed that the product could eventually be successful. So we felt, okay, even though right now it's not successful at all, he still helped us. You know, he still helped us uh, to get there. Like, even though it ended badly, um, he had, he played a part and we can't, you know, we can't say he didn't. So we felt, okay, we need to, to make it right. So we need to give him, you know, a significant amount of money to, you know, to be, uh, uh, 
honest about that situation, you know, to be, mm-hmm. uh, it was a moral thing to do. Uh, and that's when like everybody like, so our accountant, uh, the lawyer that we hired, uh, my father-in-law, uh, starting getting nuts about us giving money in a situation that was bad for us. And I mean, this whole thing basically triggered everyone. We were <laughs> in a lot of pain and stress, but people seeing that we weren't making any money and giving him money just to leave was just like, it seemed like it was just even more risk on top of like living on our savings for two years and then spending even more money for something that wasn't working at all. It was just so, it, it, that we really felt like we were crazy at some point because like everybody told us we were kind of. So, mm, yeah. Jesus, that is not a great situation. From From having had that negative experience, and we'll talk about how things have kind of gone since then in a bit, but I'm interested to, to kind of know from your perspective, Dagobert, if you were to take on another co-founder at some point down the track, yeah. or even if it was in another context, is there one thing above all other things that you would consider in the decision-making process when bringing a new, when working with that person? What do you, what do you, what's going to make that relationship work? So there's two things. Uh, from the very beginning, there was a mismatch, like in some ways. Uh, where we weren't really, uh, I mean, the way he worked wasn't really compatible with the way we do things. And we, but we thought we were the weird ones. We thought we were like too demanding. And so we kind of like uh, felt guilty about it. And so we were like, no, it's us. Like, let's let's give him a shot. Let's give him space, you know, give, create the context for him to thrive, you know. Uh, and I think the first step is like to listen to your gut. So we should have like, basically after one month, there was a couple of red flags and we should have said, okay, fuck that, you know, uh, let's not mm. do it. Uh, but we didn't listen to that because we didn't have any confidence in our own abilities. We were new, just like starting the startup, like not feeling like we know anything. So, you know, we, we weren't confident in our ability to, to say, no, this guy is not the right person to work with us. We, and we should have listened to that because the thing is, and that's the second part is what I would do differently is I would try to bring a challenging situation very fast because that's when you see how people are, you know, that's when you see, because like basically a startup is going to be challenging at some point. And when I say challenging, I mean like super challenging, uh, scared for your survival. Uh, why am I doing this crazy thing type of challenge, like very <laughs> existential level, deep thing. And when you get in there, you see who everybody is, you know, and you see who's ready to do one and who's not. And it's not bad that somebody's not really ready, but you can't know until you're in it. So basically when we started, none of us knew either me, my wife, or this third co-founder, none of us knew how it would be uh, in a situation of stress. And then we went on that situation of stress. Basically, we launched, we were still the three of us, and then it didn't get traction. And then you're like, okay, how do I solve that? And it seems impossible. It seems very far, very far go. It seems like we're never gonna make it. And that's when, you know, true personality comes out. And you see, 
for us, we me and my wife, we were on the same page of like, okay, we're going to just keep hustling and we're going to work our ass off for years, even if it's just to make a base salary. You know, we're going to do that because that's our dream. And even if it's hard as hell, you know, uh, it's, it's the way it is. And we're not going to give up. And for him, it was more like, if I don't make money quickly, I don't, I, it's not, it's useless. Because for him, it was more about the money. And for us, it was more about the freedom. And there's nothing wrong about chasing the money. Like I chased money for 10 years before that. So I know how it's like, and I don't have a problem with that. I'm just saying when you build a startup, if you just chase the money, you're going to fail, I think. Uh, because it's like, it's not enough. Because at some point, you will feel like you're not going to make money. It's going to feel that way. So if you're chasing the money, when that happens, you're just going to get a job. And mm. and so for us, we were chasing freedom. So even if we didn't make money, we were like, well, at least we have freedom. So it's, it's not too bad. So what I'm saying is, just to go back to your question, if you have a co-founder, you need to be in that situation fast, like, of like where it's like scary. So maybe it's like launch super fast. Uh, get people to put their money down the table on the table to really take the risk themselves. You need to see how people behave when, because you don't know, you can't know because this guy seemed like optimistic, full of resources, but like when it became hard, it was like, Oh no, I don't want to do this. And I think it's like a very deep, it's like kind of like people who want children and people who don't want children. Like It's like, you can say everything you want, but like when it's time to like, Oh, do you want children? Oh no, I don't. Oh shit. I never thought that. You know, you never assume that this person would say that because you don't know. And and that's the same thing. Like, it's so big and it's so like a life, like uh, an existential level thing that you need to find a way to know that. To be honest, when we brought him in, we told him we want to make money because we do. You know, we want it. It's just that in the process of doing it and seeing that money wasn't coming fast, we weren't unhappy switch switching from money drive to freedom drive mm. but he wasn't happy about that mm -hmm. but i mean when we started we were like yeah we're gonna like every founder like first time yeah we're gonna make millions in a couple of years come on in you know it's just <laughs> like the, the dream so and it's just that for us it shifted and for him it didn't so it was also a mismatch of expectations that like it's, created yeah. this mess and you guys were still you know? on board for the roller coaster and they weren't and that's it's as simple yeah. as that. Mm. Yeah. Got it. Uh, and there's no, you know, and it's, and it's nothing bad on his end, on our end. It's kind of like the process, uh, I feel like. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, and so your question was about, what was your question? I'm sorry. Uh, well, I guess well, that kind of loops back, I guess, essentially to first ask where your head was kind of at, covered that one off, uh, we followed down to kind of this co-founder, where, where did the break happen? And maybe what would be interesting also, I think, you know, that kind of change in the mentality of, of family and friends when things started to not go well, going back to that, you've got the father-in-law and the lawyer and stuff going, hey, guys, like, you're not making money. You don't have the luxury of being nice. Did that, how did, yeah. was that unexpected, that change or that kind of, that, that, um, yeah, the way the way that that was kind of being addressed was that a surprise to you guys? So from from a lawyer or accountant, it's just like you know, uh, professional advice. So I, I have no problem with that. I think like the thing was the surprise was with the family is I didn't expect that they would 
care as much in a way. I mean, I want them to care about what we do, but I didn't expect that they would like feel so triggered sometimes mm. because we take risks. Because in a way, I was like, yeah, you know, it's it's our thing, like it's our problem in a way. And you know, it's cool if you support us, but like it's not your problem. But like, I feel like it's very triggering to people actually, and I didn't realize this. Like they they took your problem personally, Dagobert, almost. Yeah, it's like I think it's because it's very scary to people to think that I don't know. Maybe it's I don't know if it's empathy. I'm not sure it's empathy. I think it's more like uh, they're scared of what it could mean. Like, okay, so this guy is like like they see me and and my wife, and they see like there's wasting from their view all this money to follow this crazy dream and for them it's like it's a challenge to the way they think to like having a job focusing on that you know it's so funny so i was uh you know so when i was this this thing with the co-founder at some point we thought we should close the company at some point we thought because he wouldn't actually you know take the money or anything so i thought huh and I talked to my lawyer about this and I said, can we like close the company and then open it again? But just the two of us, then I realized it's like illegal because it's just a way to, you know, eject someone from the share agreement. So it's normal that you can't do that, you know, but I was just so desperate. I was like looking for options. And then I said that to my father-in-law, I told him maybe we could do that. And he, and he said, Oh yeah, you should definitely do that. Close the company. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh cool, you support me. He's like, yeah, yeah, and get back to a job and do something serious. And then I was like, no, I meant like close it to reopen it without this guy. But like, he just jumped on it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, you can you can get some contracting work again. That would be nice. Yeah, yeah, definitely close it. It's the right way. And then I realized it was just like, you know, to leave the startup. So yeah. you know, that's like this thing of like. It's just impossible to understand for some people where you would put everything on the line. And I think, again, it comes back to uh, what you chase, you know, and if you chase money, it's the stupidest thing. Like I have a friend, like a good friend of mine. Uh, he, he doesn't care about creating something in the world. It's not something that it's not that in a bad way. It's just like it's not something that he he has too much of it in him. Like He doesn't have this desire to create and to build something or to have incredible freedom he just wants to like build his own like you know uh financial you know situation so he has a good job he's doing very great at that he's investing the money he earns in like you know uh real estate you know simple stuff like and that's like easier to understand for many people but like that's like i feel like the majority of people would say oh he's so successful and he is in that way. It's just that for me and for people like me, like my wife who are creators, I mean, for me, it's just like wasting my life. Like, it's just like, if I'm just making money and just investing it into real estate so I can have basically more money, like, you know, and more uh, financial independence, it has the only goal. It's just like, I mean, it's, it, there's no meaning. There's absolutely no meaning. And I'm going to die one day and I'll have like my real estate. Like, it's nothing. It's bullshit. Like, it's, it doesn't mean anything. I want to die one day and have like, you know, like a company or something to be remembered for. Even if it's just the memes I do on Twitter, like at least it's something I created that connected with people, you know, and my wife is the same. Like she also writes, she's a novelist too. She publishes books in France. So she's like a creator, like really from her heart. 
And for me too, it's just like, it's focused on companies, but I'm like, for me, it's like an act of creation and of mm -hmm. building. There's a need to express yourself outside of just following the usual path, doing the usual things yeah. and be remunerated in the standard way. And yeah, I, th I think in my experience, people can almost find that, as you mentioned, Dagobert, a little bit threatening because in a way what you've done is you've kind of unplugged a little bit from the matrix, right? You've kind of said, this is the way everyone does stuff. We've decided to do it a little bit different. And I think that does make people uncomfortable, sometimes from a place of good, because they're thinking, wow, we don't want you guys to end up homeless and with no money yeah. and not able to support yourselves. That's the good part of it. The bad part of it is maybe is not willing to consider other people's viewpoints and ideas and needs outside of your own world, which is the matrix. And I think that can be, yeah, yeah, yeah. it can be difficult. Like you or I, you and I have experienced it. You only have to jump on Twitter for five minutes to see that everyone who's got a startup or playing around in that world is experiencing it themselves from friends and, and family. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. It's an interesting thing. And you don't, ex it? you don't expect it. Like you don't expect that people are gonna, because like for you, it's for like, for me, it's natural. Like it's just my thing. It's like what I love doing. I didn't expect that people, as I said earlier, like would care as much as to be triggered by it. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, it happens. And and also other things like one of my used to be best friends who is not anymore, which is terrible. But yeah, I mean, he was like best man at my wedding. Uh, uh, and like, it just like triggered him too much, I think. Because like we knew each other from high school. And back then, I think he was more like, kind of like above me in our relationship you know he was kind of like the one who taught me stuff and showed oh, me almost how like a the mental world relationship was. a little bit yeah kind of we were the same age i mean he's one year older but like he liked to have this hole i think and now that like he's kind of like in his settled in a let's say normal life where he's buying a house and he just have this job and he doesn't really like his job but that's the way it is and he's not going to change it. He doesn't seem like he will. And and he sees me and I talk about my project and I talk about my dreams and I say, yeah, we want to make millions one day eventually and we want to be free and we want to do all that. And I mean, and he started you know, acting a bit different mm. and and eventually like he just started saying mean things, which he never did. Mm. And so that was very weird like and very sad but in a way i mean it was surprising and in the same way it makes sense because when i see the difference between who we were as kids and who we are now I, it, it makes sense in a way like our relationship was based on a certain dynamic and now the dynamic is completely changed and so you know so the friendship disappears kind of it's terrible but i it's feel hard, like it's uh it's a natural thing but it's tough but uh so yeah, Always but like, I, I didn't ex basically, I, I, ex I thought people would just support me because yeah, do your thing. And no, it fucking triggers them. <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> that it's like, you're not involved. Like, just like, just support me and like, no, okay. Yeah, because well, you're the one taking all the risk as well. Like you and Lucy are taking all the risks. So you'd figured, look, the one thing anyone yeah, yeah. can offer me is support because I'm already putting my balls on the line here doing something fucking scary. Yeah, that's it. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So look, things were not going so well at that point. Let's just say we've, we've that, let's, that was kind of the darker era. 
Tell me how things have kind of yeah. changed a bit since then. I feel like you're on a, you've got some really good traction happening in the Twitter sphere. Um, yeah, just, yeah. Just tell me how things have changed since then. Yeah. So we basically recovered from that co-founder thing in January uh, of this year. Uh, that was a few months after the, the fallout, let's say. And then I guess, uh, we were very scared of doing marketing because we didn't know anything about that. So we kept adding features. We kept thinking we need to build a perfect product and eventually it's going to succeed. We were really believing that. Uh, so we tried, uh, but when you have only like a hundred people come to your site every week, uh, well, it's not enough, even if you have a great product. So eventually, I started to have this glimpse of like, I need to do more marketing, but I didn't know where to start. So I kept doing that. And then I felt more and more like I wasn't the right guy for the startup. Like mm. come, uh, so like five, six months ago in May, I was kind of like about to give up. I mean, I, I wasn't going to give up in a way because I was like, I'm too proud in a way. I'm never going to stop this. I'm never going to give up. If I fail, it's because like some external thing, like I ran out of money or something, but I'm not going to give up on my own. But at the same time, I had no clue. I was like literally writing in my journal. I'm not the right guy. Like I suck. Like I, I can't do marketing. I can't grow this. I have no clue. I can build features, but I have no idea how to do marketing. And, and I just, and I tried a few things. I tried Google ads. I tried sponsoring newsletters. I was writing content on indie hackers on Reddit. And nothing really gave me any traction. Uh, and some of them just failed. And and so I was like, I, I was basically convinced, uh, like, I suck. I, I, I can't do this. And so I was so desperate and that I started thinking, you know, fuck that. I'm just going to start spamming. Because, like, that's the only thing that I feel like, I mean, spamming is a big word, but that's how I felt. Uh, I was like, okay, I don't know how to do marketing but I need to make sales. So all I'm going to do is I'm just going to put a link to my website everywhere, you know, try to make it nice, like say a nice, like let, let's be something like, Hey, I'm doing that. Not like spam, but still, I'm just going to spend my whole day putting links to my website everywhere. That was just my whole plan because I had no other idea, you know, but I didn't want to give up. So, but because I didn't want to give up and I was desperate, I had, that was a big shift for me because I used to be shy about doing that, about sharing my stuff, about showing a link to my website. And I think a lot of founders feel that, like we are shy because we don't want to promote, we don't want to bother people, we don't want to do that because it has like a negative thing to it. But I was so desperate, I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And so I started, uh, I was like going on Twitter and searching for everyone who was writing a post like, hey, what are you working on today? And so I was like searching people I don't even follow. I don't even know. And I would be like, yeah, I'm doing that today. You know, and I'm, every day I would be doing ergonomy. So I would just have traffic, you know, that was basically the, the whole, the whole strategy was that and doing the same in like Reddit, in the hackers, product and discussion boards, like everywhere I could other some small communities like in Slack. And one day that was in May, uh, one of these on Twitter got traction. Like I, somebody said, Hey, how do you guys build your CSS for your website? You know, technical question. And I happened to have done like some interesting CSS work for Logology. So I shared it 
just like quickly. And it got tons of traction. I got two sales and a hundred visits in like one day. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was like the first step of like, oh, wow, this is working. There's, I mean, there's a way to make it work. So I was just basically doing, you know, uh, stupid uh, spam for like one, three or four weeks. And then I had that, that first win. And that kind of like took me out of the desperation phase and being like, oh, maybe there's a way here. Uh, maybe there's a path. And then second step was like three weeks, like a couple of weeks after that. I don't remember how long. Uh, you know, on my website, there's a live chat. And my website is a tool to generate uh, a logo for your startup all designed by my wife, you know, tons of work we put in, blah, blah, blah. And there's a live chat and some guy come to my website and speaks to me on the live chat. And he says, hey, I love your logo, uh, but it's too expensive. I'm like, oh, okay, well, you can just, uh, maybe you can sign up for the newsletter because we have advice from there. And you can just sign up to the newsletter and maybe you're gonna get value from it. And then later, uh, when you have money, you can come back and buy it. And he was like, no, no, I'm, I could also just take a screenshot and steal it. <laughs> I was like, uh, yes, but that would be illegal because there's copyright notices everywhere. You fuck. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, cool, but you, I suppose you shouldn't tell people. And he was just a very creepy guy. Uh, and this like pissed me off. You know, you can assume it pissed me off. Uh, and, and so I shared that on Twitter, that experience. And then I got tons of support. That was my first viral tweet, so to speak. Ah. Uh, and this guy, Arvid Carr, which is one of the leading indie, indie hacker, you know, influencers who write books, and he's a very inspiring guy. He followed me. We exchanged DMs about the situation. He was so supportive. It felt amazing. He was so nice. And I got tons of support. And and I also got sales, probably out of pity, because people were like, oh, poor guy, somebody stole his logo, I'm going to buy one. <laughs> but it, it was still a sale. So I was like, okay, you can't scale pity. I mean, probably not. Oh, Maybe you probably you can. can. You I probably didn't... can, Dagobah. It's just frowned upon. Yeah, you can, you can probably scale pity, but I don't want to be like, you know, like bathing in that self-pity uh, energy. But you could, I could probably do that. But and so that was the second thing. Like in a couple of weeks, I got a viral tweet from like my reply. And then I got a viral tweet of my own from sharing my own experience of something terrible that happened to me. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to start tweeting seriously because they basically finally found traction with Twitter, uh, finally found a way to get traction. And so at that point I had like 200, 300 followers. And I was like, uh, that was like five months ago or six. And and yeah, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go full in doing that. And I'm going to grow an audience and connect with people. And I'm going to, you know, and, and hopefully it's going to make sales for my startup. I was, I had that hope. And after a couple of weeks of doing that, it was starting to confirm that this was happening. Like the more I grew on Twitter, the more my startup had sales. Mm. And basically in the process of like three months, I went from 200 followers and one sale per week to like uh, probably in three months, I think, 2,000 followers and four sales or five sales per week. So that was to me mind-blowing to finally, the, the, the big thing I remember is feeling I finally had some control over the destiny of this startup. I had mm-hmm. control about making money. 
I mean, I don't control everything. I, I, I can't say like, hey, let's just make a million dollars tomorrow. You know, it's not that. But it's like, I finally have a relationship between uh, my actions and actual results in terms of sales. And that was mind blowing to me. I never experienced that in my life before. And it was like, oh, I can do like input, output, mm. spend time on Twitter, make money. Wow. I mean, that was just mind blowing. And it got me hooked. And so since then, basically, I haven't built a single feature. <laughs> I just spend all my time on Twitter. And I only, like, for six, basically, I spent five or six months, like the last five or six months, spending all my time on Twitter, like sometimes 10 hours per day, figuring out how it works, figuring out uh, how to write good tweets, how to engage, how to have good, like, like uh, a lot of engagement on my own posts, you know, all these learnings that I'm doing. And just by, by you know, tr trial and error. And now, finally, I have a process in place and I can finally spend, uh, let's say, only a couple hours a day on Twitter and build features again. So I'm very happy about yesterday for the first day in like six months, I had like two hours when I just didn't do Twitter and it was still running in the background and, you know, going. And... I was working on the next big feature for Logology. And it felt like a sense of balance mm. that I was missing. Yeah. An amazing, amazing story. And, and uh, like a testament to just that, that sort of grind, right? Just, just going, okay, you know what? Like, this is all I've got. I've got to triple down on it and see what I can do with it. Yeah. Cause I just don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to go for it. And that's funny. Yeah, that, that was the feeling. That's all I've got. Like, and I keep feeling like uh, like an imposter, like a, like a hack, because like basically my whole marketing now is going on Twitter, and I'm like, this is not marketing, and you know I feel I, I judge myself, and I feel like no, it's not marketing, well, and at the same time I just see results, and and the mm. good thing when you're like running your own business is it's the only thing that matters. You don't have to make a boss happy or try to prove somebody that you're competent. You can just do whatever works. And that's the beauty. So I'm doing something that sounds that seemed to me pretty fucking stupid, but it works. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I'm just gonna keep doing stupid things. You know, I'm just gonna keep doing that. Well, I would argue also, uh, Dagobert, that it's not the only thing that matters because you're doing it with a morally pretty clear conscience. Like you're not doing anything that's harming anyone. Anyone who buys your products is totally clear and transparent on what they are. And oh, yeah. what you do do through Twitter, which you haven't touched on, I, I don't know if this is just just you, the, the way you are that you haven't brought it forward, but there's a real genius in the way that you use the content on Twitter in that you have this kind of really transparent, um, a little bit self-depreciating type humor. You've got a really strong meme game that people are... Thanks. It's, yeah, it's thank resonating with people and people with big audiences and not big audiences they've bought, but big audiences because these are people who've created things of really significant scale in the startup universe who are who are kind of championing you. Like you've got some you've got some friends in high yeah. places these days, Dagobert. Does it feel a little bit unreal sometimes? Yeah, it does. It does. I didn't expect it. I mean I think I mean, I, right now I'm a bit, bl I'm blushing. Like people can't see, but I'm kind of blushing because, like, it, because it feels surreal. Like, 
Yeah. Because again, like six, six months ago, nobody knows me. Nobody gives a shit. And they're right because I didn't show anything to anyone. So it's like, it's not their fault. It's just me. And, and, and I think the thing about the tweets is what helped me is that first experience of sharing this tweet about this guy who steal you know, one of our products and who claims to steal it. And, and being so vulnerable about that in the moment on Twitter, like without thinking and seeing people support me and give me, you know, try to help out. I really started to see that, I mean, authenticity is such a powerful way to connect with people. And yeah. And, and also a second thing is when I started tweeting, I made the mistake of like trying to sound like a big account. Like I started, like, I think a lot of people do that when they start. Absolutely. You start trying, you try to make big, like single sentence, amazing tweets. Like, like you're like the big philosopher of some <laughs> shit, you know, you're like trying to tweet something like a general truth. Oh yeah. I'm going to enlighten everyone and nobody cares about <laughs> no, that. <laughs> and so I, you know, yeah. And I tried doing that and it was failing. And I was like, you know, I think it's because, and then I saw some people do it and I was like, oh, Fuck you! I don't want you to tell me how to live because that's how it feels when you see one of these tweets. Like you're being I, I talked when I at, see them, rather yeah, than with. Like somebody's just trying to school you, and this mm -hmm. guy is not that successful and trying to teach you shit. Like, no, I don't want to listen to that. <laughs> then I realized I'm nothing. I'm not making money. I'm not really successful. I mean, it's getting better now, but I'm like, when I started, it was even worse. Like it was just like, I'm, I can't teach anybody anything. I'm, I mean, I'm not successful, so I wouldn't listen to myself. So that I'm not going to stop doing that. And I'm just going to share. And so I make a point of like always saying I in my tweets because it's not about uh, being selfish and I maybe mean, narcissistic. It's, I, I mean, I hope it's more about uh, not trying to school people, but instead saying this is what I went through and you can take from it whatever you want, but I'm not imposing it on you. It's just like, yeah, I'm going through this. I experience it and maybe you can learn from it, but it's not like that's how you should feel. That's how you should do. It's more like that's what I've been through. And that's like way more effective into connecting with people because they don't feel defensive. Because like if you say you need to do marketing, then they're going to argue, oh no, because X and Y. But if you say I was struggling and I learned that marketing could help me and now it's working, they're like, oh, cool for this guy, you know, and maybe I can learn from it, but they don't feel defensive. Mm -hmm. And so that was a big shift for me. And so the big thing, yeah, so that was like about writing tweets from my own perspective. Uh, and now like, if, and I, and it's now a habit, like it's, I almost only tweet that way now. Mm, like you've developed, uh, your, yeah, you've and, developed and, a tone or a style. That's the, that's the dagger bear style. Yeah, we expect yeah. that from you now. We welcome it. Yeah. And that's why you said about the big guns uh, giving me, you know, championing me. That was like, I mean, I was talking about it with a friend from Twitter the other day. And I was like, feeling like, and I feel weird saying that because I feel like I can't say this without sounding arrogant. But I felt like I had some influence. You know, I'm trying to be as humble as I can about this because it sounds horrible to say I have influence. But Basically, I saw that I started doing memes and after like a couple of months, some of them got viral 
And now I see more memes on startup Twitter than before. And people Definitely. keep mentioning me about Definitely. memes. And I was like, is that a bit because of me? Which sounds, <laughs> it seems crazy. Not... Like, it seems completely you crazy. You changed the world, yeah. and same with my And same with my tweet format. Like, I tweet in a certain way. Right? Yeah. And it's, for me, it's just because it's clearer. It's because it tells a story when you do like line after line. You have basically my tweet is about five lines on average, mm -hmm. and it's just single lines with spaces between them and emoji on every line almost. Because it just feels like it's a more powerful way to tell a story. It was just like something that I felt, and I started tweeting all always like that now. And now people tweet like this. I mean, I see people tweet like this, and some mention, "Oh, you copied the side from Tiger." I'm like, I mean, wow. I mean, I have influence. I mean, at a tiny bit. And to me, that's that's almost scary because I'm like, shit, now people do the same thing. So I have to keep innovating. Uh, so, you know, so now <laughs> I'm actually working on like video memes. I'm like hard working <laughs> on video memes to stand out again. You're the, yeah. Uh, yeah. You're the Drake of Twitter, Dagobert. This is what has happened. You've become the Drake of oh, Twitter. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, I experienced something that made me feel I'm going to sound like Drake soon because <laughs> I started Twitter. I, I saw like this entrepreneur who I liked and I, and I had like 200 or 300 followers back then, or maybe 500, but like tiny. And, and we went on a zoom call and we talked and she didn't really connect. She didn't give a shit. She didn't seem like she gave me the time of the day. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then one month and she didn't even follow me after the zoom call, which I think is super rude. Uh, <laughs> you know, like a Twitter yeah. slap. But, yeah so that was like rude man i mean um and then the months after she sent me a message like uh and i hope she doesn't listen to this but i mean i'm not gonna say who it is anyway and <laughs> and and she was like oh uh, i saw you're trending on startups all the time now you're doing so good so cool you know we should get on a call sometime again i'm like <laughs> Fuck, this is what Drake warned us about. He told us about starting from the bottom and nobody gives a shit. And now people, oh, you're so cool. Everyone's ah, on disgusting. you. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, I don't unfollow because I don't want to be rude, but I was like, fuck that. Trying to groupie? No, that was horrible. That's not even groupie. That's like, that's not even groupie because I don't even think she cares. It's just Twitter like- go Twitter gold she, digger? She, Twitter tweet digger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of like, kind of. More like there's a way for her to get opportunity if she's nice to me. Mm. So she's just doing that. And I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> fuck that, you know? And yeah. So, so yeah, you're right. I'm going to sound I like Drake soon. That's an amazing story. I'm going to read out a tweet, not that one. I'll read out a tweet from at, at level CEO, who is, this is the dude who created Nomad List. So it's like, yeah, I mean, he's the, he's the goat. Yeah. This guy's, this guy's like the guy in digital nomad world. Anyone who travels and works has knows who this person is basically it's written. Yeah. One day I woke up and did not feel happy. I didn't know what was wrong, but then I saw at Dago Renouf's marketing meme on my timeline. Then I felt great. Plus laughed. My day became good. I like, holy shit. Yeah. You, like, it's basically just giving you like these mega props at like, it's yeah. like double props. Cause it's like talking about my memes yeah. and he's using a tweet format yeah. that <laughs> is known to be mine. He's like, oh, so man. It, it was, but like with him, it's so funny. Cause, uh, 
I think it, it was last month that I, I, so like I tweet one meme every day. Okay. And last month, so I tweeted one of these memes about you should do more marketing. It's mostly what I meme about right now. Uh, I should change it, but then people tell me do more. So it's weird. Like, so basically this guy, uh, so leveled, he, he saw one of these tweets and he retweeted it. So that was last month. He read, I mean, I didn't know, I mean, I knew him, but like we weren't interacting or anything. And he saw one of these memes from me trending and he retweeted saying, he quoted tweet saying, uh, oh, this guy just keeps doing the same joke every day with his memes, incredibly persistent. And I was like, is this passive aggressive? Is he shitting on me? <laughs> and people were unsure. So like, yeah, I, that's how I felt. And people like in the comments mostly felt it was that, you know, he was shitting on me. So tons of people started defending me. Uh, but like, and then uh, I saw that he followed me. So I was like, oh, okay, he wasn't shitting on me. And so I sent him a DM saying, hey, I spent the day wondering if you were shitting on me, but apparently not. And he's like, oh, no, 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 I love it. It's cool. Uh, <laughs> and so we interacted a bit since then. And he's really, really chill and really, like, he has a really great way of, and he's the example of like not giving a shit what you should do and just doing whatever he wants and figuring mm. things out himself. And that's the very inspiring thing about him is he, he just, uh, he, he's just a free, he, he just approaches things with, with his own mind mm -hmm. and doesn't copy anybody. He's just like trying things very humble in that mm -hmm. way. And like this humble way of like being an entrepreneur or like not imagining anything, just trying and seeing if it works and not trying to do whatever everybody tells you to do. I mean, he, I think he still hasn't hired anyone and he's making millions now and wow. he's just automating everything. And that's his focus. And that's just like, wow. I mean, that's the dream. I mean, I do. I mean, that's my, my dream of one day, maybe, you know, getting to that level. Incredible, incredible stuff. It's, it's a great story. Um, <laughs> it's just a great story. And look, I, I like a good meme can change the world. I like, I think, you know, some of this stuff, I think in the startup community, especially there's a, there's so many challenges all the time. Like there's such a recipe for yeah. bad mental health because it is a oh, real yeah. roller coaster. And, you know, a lot of the time it just can suck if you're not getting those sales or the audience you wanted to grow. So just bring a little bit of reality or, or authenticity mixed with a little bit of humor. I think people, in who are doing these things are really craving it and you're really satisfying that need which is you know just for a couple of seconds of the mm. day i can have a bit of a laugh realize that someone else there is going through something just as sucky as i am and also that they can kind of overnight i can become like the hero you know like overnight i can get traction and and, and if today goes well i can yeah. get traction you know so you're giving them hope too so you know it's it's a, it's a good thing i think yeah you know i I did the memes because I have this, you know, I, when I'm in parties with friends, I'm the guy making jokes. You know, I'm the guy trying to, to like, but like always kind of like, you know, I don't know if it's not the right word, but like spiky jokes, like kind of like, uh, a little bit like borderline. prickly. <clears throat> mm. Yeah. That's probably the word. Yeah. So a bit uh, spicy or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> spicy is much better. Know. Let's use spicy. Okay. Spicy. Yeah. Spicy. <laughs> uh, and uh you know it's always on the limit like sometimes i completely flop because it's too hardcore like it happens too like 
And so, but with memes, it was the first thing was like, was for me because like it's exactly exactly like you said like it's so painful so stressful and so whatever it takes to take the head edge off and i was wanting to grow twitter and i thought well me seems like a good way to grow so i started and i started really liking doing them because it's really enjoyable for me to find a joke about it you know find a joke about what i'm experiencing and what's ridiculous about this journey and so i started making them and people after like a couple, like after, it probably took like six weeks of memes for people to start noticing. Uh, so you still need to be consistent, and mm-hmm. and then eventually, I noticed it was such a great way. And like now, people tell me, uh, I wait. Like a few people have told me, I'm waiting in the morning for the meme. <laughs> like, and I and I used to play a lot with my tweet schedule, and now I'm like, no, I can't. Like one day, I like moved it one hour back, and somebody said when the fuck is the meme coming out, you know? <laughs> and so now I'm like, okay, I have my tweeting times. I'm not going to build. I'm just going to keep these tweeting times now. Um, and so and cool. also the most moving thing about it is I've had quite a few people. I, at least I'd say five, maybe four, like to be conservative, let's say four that told me that, like these memes literally help them and actually mm-hmm. the, the tweets I do, not just the memes, but like that it actually saved them so much time. And they told me, yeah, I got it. And thanks to you, I did marketing from the start and I made money quickly. And and it's like people telling me, thank you so much. And wow, I mean, I was just sharing my journey. As I said, like I wasn't trying to school anyone. I was just like sharing my journey. And now people tell me it inspires them. I mean, not everyone, but like a few people told me that. And I never, I mean, honestly, I did Twitter just to make money. I was very selfish. That was just the goal initially. And then now I see that the way I do it has also this uh, quality to it that it's not just for me, but it actually helps people, you know, at least some of them. And to me, that was so surprising and, and very moving and, and makes me feel like there's something bigger than myself coming out of it. And that's like helping other people. And and again, it's funny because I see myself as a pretty selfish guy. Like I always saw myself that way, mostly because I hate people who pretend like they're not. You know, <laughs> I have trouble with that. People saying, oh yeah, I'm all about helping others. No, you're not. <laughs> you're like just, you know, it's, it's very rare. That it's very rarely the case. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I always wanted to, own that I'm selfish and you know sometimes by doing selfish things in the right way you can also help others you know uh, because it feels more uh, harmless that way and so now that's exactly what's happening I'm doing self- Twitter selfishly because I want to grow my startup I want to you know, and now I'm like I also see the value of like growing an audience and the opportunities that it brings so I want to do that too but like always selfish reasons and now I'm like seeing that there's a way to do it and and it actually is not selfish anymore in a way. Like it's selfish, but like some days I really don't want to do it because uh, I'm tired or whatever. And I'm like, I need to deliver the meme to the people, you know, because I know some <laughs> the people, people are counting on me. I've got to do your yeah. life. It's, yeah. it's like Batman now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's, it's growing a bit beyond me. So it's still pretty selfish because I'm seeing I'm getting sales and stuff but it's becoming more than that and now I feel like I would still do it uh, you know uh, 
even if it uh, if it stop bringing too much value you know directly so, man what a great to me i mean what a great um a great discovery you know and and something that not that many people get to experience is having influence like that and it's something that you didn't even know that you could have happen and yeah no it, i had no idea it's happened out of out of just dago bear being who he is and being as authentic as 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 you can be and and that it's, it's it's just that it's just you being you and putting it out there and not giving a fuck and i think there's so much power in that and it's so challenging for almost anyone to have that kind of to give themselves that license to just have a crack and just do whatever just just to take those constraints off themselves and just go fuck it i'm just gonna do it it can be so freeing and so yeah. powerful and it creates good and people it resonates with people we find it so difficult because we've grown up in these structured worlds where it's just really not yeah celebrate i mean how many politicians are truly transparent you know <laughs> these are the people yeah leading that, that, countries. The funny thing is, is, is like i think this might be this might be the the next generation of politicians because i don't know like what i'm doing i feel like people one day are going to wake up to the power that it has because it yes. has a ton of power like to connect yes. it because you know i see people they have because i still have a tiny account relatively i have like a bit more than seven thousand followers now and so it's cool uh, i mean six months ago i would have been blown away to know i would get there Jeez, but a, like i see so many people still. like jesus no no yeah that, that it really is and at the same time you have tons of people with 50k 100k and they tweet something and you know you see people like grow super fast and then you see their tweet and they have like you know 100 likes which is tiny if you have 100,000 followers uh and they have no engagement and what people i think don't realize is with i mean engagement i mean it's a metric but it's also like a natural phenomenon of people connecting with you deeply and so wanting to engage, wanting to talk back, reply, you know, share your content and interact with it. And when you create that, like on a bigger level, by being authentic, because when you just tweet, you know, vanilla platitude bullshit, it's not going to happen the same way. You're going to have people replying, but it's going to be in the same vibe of like, just, you know, cookie cutter advice. Mm -hmm. But if you're just authentic, sharing your experience, then people are, people are going to share their experience back. You know, they're going to say how it is for them. It just creates so much more meaningful connections. And so that's why with this relatively small account, I have infinitely more engagement than most big accounts. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that to say that most people, including big accounts, don't understand and don't see the power that it has to take it seriously to like mm. be authentic get out there get vulnerable you know challenge yourself to do that and in the end and you talked about politics and i feel like this can grow like i mean not specifically my account but like this approach if you're a politician i mean it would be huge because like you can connect it's kind of like connecting one-on-one -on -one, but at scale it's weird but like you just basically connect deeply but at scale so that's what i'm doing right now with my relatively small account 
And I feel like my goal now is I'm like, I want to reach 100K. Like, you know, it's just like a number, but you know, whatever. Like, I'm just like, want to reach like 50 or 100K followers, but it's not what matters. What matters is when I'm there, I want to still have the same deep connection with people. That's mm -hmm. my goal. Because I don't see many accounts who have that. Like you see people with 100K, they start, you know, spitting, you know, motivational BS. You know, there's just like, they start spitting useless stuff. That people are gonna easily like, but not deeply care about. And I feel like when we keep being real, and I and I'm actually curious because I see almost nobody does it. So I'm actually curious to see what happens when if I get to like a hundred k, and I still am authentic at this scale, and I still get in there and really try to connect with people. I'm curious to see what happens from that in terms of like influence and in terms of you know connections and opportunities mm. and impact i'm curious about that because dago bear for like president <laughs> no that's too far i was just Is thinking that about going? making yeah. some money with my startup i'll vote for you man <laughs> i got you yeah uh, cool well okay that's one compliment i didn't know i wanted but thank you <laughs> yeah uh, look you just keep doing what you're doing please it's yeah. gonna be amazing just keep telling me on the dm crazy ass twitter stories about people messaging you though because i like i gotta hear about more like twitter groupies and all of that shit. that sounds hilarious <laughs> this is like, yeah oh god that, that's that's very weird thing to experience <laughs> you know i'm like this guy i'm like this uh this not confident guy from high school or like from you know uh, middle school who has like not many friends and now I start tweeting and then I get groupies and I'm like ah oh, like it's disgusting because <laughs> I know the other side I know what it's like to nobody gives a shit about you so I know it's fake I mean I see it you know so it's just like just good. take it for what it is and everything will be cool I think it's when yeah you know people it's so easy to get caught up in your own bullshit but having like come from pretty, you know, as you said, Dagobert, you know, you're, you're, you've got a pretty, you've got a pretty humble outlook on things. You're pretty down to earth. I sense, I sense you're a pretty down to earth guy. So if anyone can manage so, the fire, thanks. I think you can manage it. Yeah. That's, okay. That's my I will prediction. Try. I will I'll tell you if you're getting thanks. weird and shit on Twitter, I'll just let you know. I'll be like, and I hope because like, I have a friend who, who keeps, who, I have a friend from Twitter who keeps sending me DMs about oh, this guy is full of shit. Did you notice? I'm like, oh, oh, wait, you're right. Like, he keeps calling out on people that, like on my DMs. And and, he, and I'm telling you, damn, it's awesome because then I know you're going to call me out if yes. I stop spitting BS. Keep so that friend do, close. You, know. you need the yeah, BS yeah, I friend. Need him. I need him. Yeah. Because, you know, you can get carried away. It's so easy, like with success and shit. So, yeah. Man, it, it's, yeah. I mean, absolutely. it happens to so many people. I'm like, Maybe it's going to happen to me. I hope not, but I'm going to try to not <laughs> make it happen. Know, but Dagger, it man, seemed like, I mean, it happens to so many people. You're like people you think would never do it. And then they switch. So, I mean, they shift. If so, I see a tweet that's like, know. I just bought a G6 or something like that. Like, I'm <laughs> well, if flying... I make a fun story about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Miami this week on my G6 with, you know, LeBron. I'll be like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. My boy Dagger Bear's slipping, but no, I, yeah. I think I think you're gonna be okay, man. <laughs> I hope. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves, you know. 
<laughs> Dagger Bear, I won't hold you up much longer. Mate, did you have anything you wanted to promote or anywhere in particular you'd like people to go? Your Logology website's up, I think, is it logology.co? Is that correct? Yeah, that's the main site. Uh, it's logology.co. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I would invite everyone to try it. I would say, basically, Logology, it's, it, we took all the work my wife used to do as a freelance uh, graphic designer for 15 years, and she was specializing on logos. And what we did is we took the essence of our work, and we that usually cost like $2,000 or $3,000 to get a custom brand from her. And we automated it with Logology. And the goal was to make it affordable and make it so it's like a hundred bucks, the main package, that's the price of it. And the reason we able to make it affordable is we automated it. So we automated the part of like talking with the designer to figure out what is your brand? What are your values? We actually used that as a questionnaire that we created. We designed a quiz that helps you figure out your values your personality as a brand and from that we automatically match you with the right colors the right fonts and the right logo design so that you can have a brand that's really just like working with a designer would do like they would tell you oh design the, these are the colors you need these are the fonts you need and this is the kind of logos i can offer you that's exactly what logology does it's just that it's fully automated so you don't even have to sign up. You just go to the website, take the quiz. It takes five minutes on average to take it. Uh, and then we show you the logos right away with the colors of the fonts. And then you can buy it for your startup. And it's just a hundred bucks. And it's like the whole promise of it is when you're getting started, you don't have money for that. And even if you do, you shouldn't spend it. Like don't spend $3,000 on the logo, but you just have a tiny startup. Like you should spend your money on like maybe uh, writing content on the product on on marketing like ads but don't spend three thousand on your logos when you're just tiny wait until you get traction and everything and so but you still need to look good i mean it's better so mm -hmm. that's what we wanted to do with logology is give you a way to stand out with a you know real designer quality brand but without spending all that money and wasting all that time you know that's really the vision for it. So I would invite everyone, like if you have a project, it's completely free to try. And you can, in five minutes, you can get ideas for your brand. It's, yeah. you guys have, you and Lucy have done an outstanding job with the, the smarts behind how this thing works. Like I plugged in, I answered the series of questions and it spat out about yeah. 10 or so uh, logo options of a very premium quality. I could tell they'd been created by a professional designer. This isn't like a Fiverr.com mm, hack you. job. And yeah, no. it came with the the, the, uh, the typography, like the fonts, a color scheme. And my my first startup that I ever ran, uh, Dagobert, was 8-Bit Digital. It was a digital advertising agency, a little mini do-it-all agency. Oh, wow, okay. And we used to charge clients three to $5,000 to do that work without a doubt and, yeah. I, and and the quality is the same i can tell you for sure because the outcome yeah. that you guys have done thank you that outcome thank is exactly you. the same as what we were getting clients charging three to five thousand dollars so if anyone has a startup idea and they don't know uh what sort of logo they want 
but they want a premium outcome, like a truly professional outcome at a good rate, this is a really cool thing to do. And also, even if you don't buy the logo, which you should, don't be a tight ass, but if you don't, the the process that you go through, the questions that the system asks you, uh, as Dagobert, yeah. you said, they really do challenge you to think about your brand personality. And yeah, I think that's a really valuable exercise for anyone at any life stage of their brand. So check it out. Yeah, that, that can be very helpful when you're starting, yeah. And just to thank you for the kind words means a lot that you say that because that's always been the goal, like make something that used to be expensive, make it fast and affordable. And it's really thanks to my wife because she really has this logo design talent that very few, even very few graphic designers have. Because, mm -hmm. you know, graphic design, it's a whole field, but like logo is very specific and very few people are good at it. And she's good at it. And And just, you know, to add to what you said about uh, even if you don't buy a logo, well, even if you don't buy a logo, you can try it. And if you sign up, which is free, obviously, you get a free course that she wrote, spent like a month writing it. And the course is going to be unique to your brand personality. So the course, there's basically five different courses. And depending on like uh, the results of your quiz, you get a unique a course related to that about colors, fonts, how to design your brand. Uh, completely free so maybe this can be like you know helpful if you really have zero money to start you can at least get some value crazy i feel like <laughs> that's the easiest sell for anyone who's who needs a logo out there you guys have done an outstanding job i'm super <laughs> well, happy free is easy to sell uh, well yeah well that's that's very true <laughs> but I, I honestly feel like you're you're providing true value like there is real value in that and i'm really happy to hear that you're getting some traction and i think the sky is yeah. there for you guys i think it's just going to keep going up and up so awesome stuff thank you very much for being on the podcast Tagbo bear Thanks for listening to this episode of the Doing Epic Stuff podcast. You can find all the latest happenings on the website, doingepicstuff.com or our Instagram, Instagram forward slash doingepicstuff. We out.